listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I have got a word for you today. This might be, and I don't, I don't say this lightly because I've been in a lot of church, listened to a lot of preaching, listened to a lot of broadcasts. This might be the most in-depth teaching um, on this subject today that you've, you've heard ever. Number one, it doesn't really uh, get taught a lot in church services, but again, if you remember, we're in this series on overcoming the five obstacles uh, of financial freedom, financial increase, the way God wants you to be blessed financially. Uh, what I'm going to teach today is not only vital, but it never gets talked, it hardly ever gets talked about. And so that's why I say today may be the most in-depth teaching uh, that you've ever heard on this subject, and it's going to be extremely extremely helpful. So share the broadcast today. Uh, as you're jumping on, thank you. And um, I'm so glad to see you. Let me give you a little bit of a, uh, an announcement tomorrow morning on the broadcast as we're hitting the final part of this series. Uh, Carolyn is going to be on with me for the morning broadcast. Um, and it's going to be a great one. You're not going to want to miss that. We're going to talk about um, some things that we've done personally, practically, uh, to see God bless our family, bless our lives, bless our ministry. And um, the increase that God has blessed us with has been nothing short of supernatural. And so you're not going to want to miss that. That's tomorrow morning, uh, 1030 a.m. as we're closing out this this series uh, in particular. So um, a couple of things before we jump into this, though. Number one, Uh, If any of you are going to be joining us for the Indiana Revival, Carolyn is speaking on that Saturday um, evening before the revival begins in Crawfordsville. That's June the 10th, a couple weeks from now. uh, It starts at 4 o'clock. But ladies, if you're coming, please register uh, for this one-day women's conference. You can do that at miracleword.com forward slash schedule. Make sure they know you're coming. We'd love to see you there. And then we're going to be there the whole week, um, uh, June 12th through the 16th at Legacy Church with our friends, Pastor Sam and Jess Fitch. Cannot wait to see you there. It's going to be, it's going to be awesome. Then starting this Sunday night, we're going to be in Atlanta, Georgia for this outdoor crusade. I'm joining my father, my mother, and the whole team. Um, we're setting up the tent, 2,000 seat tent on Turner Field parking lot. Uh, which is where the Atlanta Braves used to play. It's where the Olympics were. Last time we did this, there were 2,001 souls saved, and we're expecting a massive harvest uh, of souls this, this coming week. So if you're anywhere close, I'd make a road trip if I were you. If you've never been in one of these outdoor crusades like this before, this would be a perfect time to make a road trip and be in these powerful meetings. It's going to be absolutely awesome. Very, very excited for it. So But I want to jump in today. Again, thanks for jumping on with me. For those of you that are, thanks for sharing the broadcast today. Um, As I said, uh, we've been dealing with these obstacles to financial increase, financial freedom. Um, Without a doubt, I've tried to stress this at the beginning of every one of these sessions, God does want you to be financially blessed. There is no question about that If you study the word of God, Old Testament or new, the way God interacts with his children, instructions God gives his children, things that he promised to do, there's no question God is concerned with the financial well-being of his children. There's no way to read the Bible and not come to that conclusion. Even people, as I've said before, I cite this because people need to understand this is not just the position of somebody that would be considered a prosperity preacher. Even those that are against the prosperity message, men that have, like, for example, who's no longer alive, but very famous preacher, R.C. Sproul, a Reformed Presbyterian, would even agree and put it in writing in one of his books that he uh, totally agrees God wants to financially take care of his children. 
make sure they're financially blessed. There's no question about it. You can't read through the Bible and not come to that conclusion. God is a loving heavenly father. I mean, what father on the earth wants to see their children suffer and and be in starvation and go through not enough and uh, always going from heartbreak to heartbreak and crisis to crisis? No, we want to help our children. We actually want our children's lives to be better than our lives were as parents. We want our lives uh, to, to set up our children's lives for better. That's, that's every loving father and mother's desire. I want my life to set my children's lives up for better than where I was. My parents, my parents have definitely done that. My grandparents definitely did that for my parents. And so that's the, that's the desire. You can see it because when you study scripture, the Bible says that a good man, a godly man, leaves an inheritance to his children's children. That's his grandchildren. A godly man, a good man, leaves an inheritance to his children's children. What is he doing? Setting up the next generations to be more blessed than he was. Amen. And so that's God's desire. That's exactly what God wants. He wants the families of the earth to be blessed. He wants us to not have to struggle, not have to go through lack and not enough. That's why even David in the Old Testament had a revelation of who God the Father was. And in Psalm 23, the most popular Psalm there is, said, the Lord is my shepherd. I will not lack. I will not lack. Even David in an Old Testament context understood that because God is his shepherd who's leading and guiding him, he doesn't lead and guide you into lack. He doesn't lead and guide you into not enough. He leads you beside what? Still waters. Leads you and makes you lie down in what? Green pastures. That's a place to eat for those animals. That is a place uh, to, to eat and to have plenty to drink, plenty to eat. Guards us. Doesn't want us in turmoil. That's God's desire as the shepherd. So I always start these sessions because there's always people that have been taught God's not interested in that. God's, that's a greedy message. God's not interested in you being blessed financially. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that he is. In fact, it doesn't just teach that he's interested in it. The Bible teaches, if you go back to the old covenant, even with Israel, he promised not just uh, to make sure they had enough, but to prosper them. I want you to see that with me real quick. In fact, that would, that would be helpful for people to understand and see it firsthand. This is Old Testament, worse covenant, worse promises. We have a better covenant with better promises. Listen to this. For their obedience, here's what God promised. I'll set you high above all nations of the earth. All these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. You'll be blessed in the city and in the field. The fruit of your womb, the fruit of your ground, the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds, the young of your flock will be blessed. Your basket, your kneading bowl, blessed. When you come in and when you go out, blessed. Your, your enemies who rise against you will be defeated before you. They'll come out against you one way, flee before you seven ways. God will command the blessing on you in your barns and all that you undertake. And he will bless you in the land that the Lord your God's giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people unto himself as he's sworn to you. If you'll keep these commandments, all the people of the earth will see that you're called by the name of the Lord and they'll be afraid of you. And the Lord will make you abound in prosperity. I mean, that's a hard verse to get around right there. Through and because of their obedience, the Lord will make you abound in prosperity, in the fruit of your womb, in the fruit of your livestock, the fruit of your ground, within the land your Lord swore to to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season. Bless all the work of your hands, all the work of your hands not just your farming, all the work of your hands. And you'll lend to many nations and you'll not borrow. The Lord will make you the head, not the tail. You'll only go up and not down. You'll only go up and not down. You'll only go up and not down. Look at that. You'll abound in prosperity. All the work of your hands will be blessed. This is blessings to Old Testament people who didn't have Jesus. They didn't even have Jesus. We now have a better covenant established upon better promises. We don't have to sacrifice bulls, goats, and lambs. 
We have an ever-present sacrifice in the presence of God, that is Jesus Christ and his blood that was shed. We, we are not, God's not covering our sins every year with the blood of an animal. He has completely removed our sins and cast them into the sea of forgetfulness to be remembered no more, removed our iniquities from us as far as the east is from the west. We've got a better covenant. God's given us, God gave us Christ and God gave us the Holy Spirit. If he's done that, how much more will he not freely give us all things, the Bible says. God's not worried about a car, a house, some clothes, food. God's not worried about that. That's little stuff to God. That's little stuff to God. And God wants you, like any loving father should, to be financially blessed. What God doesn't want is for you to love money or to love the things of this world. And today in this fourth session, the fourth obstacle that I'm dealing with today, and pay close attention because this is huge. It's so big that the Old Testament writers wrote about it. It's so big that Jesus dealt with it. It's so big that the apostles dealt with it. All sections of scripture dealt with this issue, the love of money. And I'm, that's why I said you've probably never heard a message as in-depth as you're going to hear today on the love of money because it's not talked about, number one, but number two, it's something that we battle in the United States of America, in North America, really. We battle that, as I dealt with on the first day, we are constantly marketed to. We are constantly seeing advertisement that would lead us to believe that what we currently have is not enough, that we need more. And then, ex and then exposes us to all of these visuals of how much better our life will be and how much people will admire us if we had more, if we just had more. If I just had that car, look how my neighbors would look at me. If I just had that, you know, whatever. If I just lived in that neighborhood, if I just had that jewelry, if I just had those clothes, if I could just have those shoes, if I just had that cell phone, if I just, and, and it goes on and on and on. And, and it's, it's this mindset that we need to acquire something in the natural and it puts us in such a mindset that we begin to love the things we acquire. And this is what the Old Testament writings, writers, what Jesus, what the apostles taught against. And it's more subtle than you think it is. Because people say, well, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm not a lover of money. I don't love money. Okay, but we're going to examine some things today in the scripture and we're going to make sure that there's not one part of us, not one part that even is given a little bit into that area, not even one, because I want you to, I want you to catch something with me that's so vital in this, in this teaching of the love of money, which again, almost never gets talked about, almost never gets taught about, but I'm going to go and hit you with a bunch of different scriptures here. And I want you to start with me in second Timothy chapter three. I read uh, Paul's second letter to Timothy yesterday in the morning and read his first letter today along with some other epistles. But I want you to see this is a prophecy. Um, I'll read you a prophecy and I'll read you uh, an expectation that Paul had for those who are leaders. And this will help you immensely. All right, look at this now. Second Timothy chapter three and verse two. Now this is a prophecy about the last days. Now again, we're living in the last days. The last days began when the day of Pentecost came. In fact, Peter said so because he quoted the prophet Joel. And he said, in the last days, says God. Now this was Joel's prophecy. In the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, upon all flesh. Well, then Peter stood up after the day of Pentecost had fully come and God poured out the Holy Spirit on the believers. They were all speaking in tongues and all those men from uh, the nations under heaven were seeing them and hearing them in their own languages. And Peter jumped up and said, this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then he starts to quote, in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Peter said, this is that, this is that prophecy being fulfilled. So the last days began at the day of Pentecost. So this letter that I'm reading to you now, second Timothy, Paul's last letter that he ever wrote 
uh, was years, years after the day of Pentecost, years after that. So we're in the last days. And he said, in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. That's the first verse of 2 Timothy 3. For people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. Now, let me, let me focus on a couple of those words with you real quick. Uh, a couple of those phrases. In the last days, people will be what? Number one, lovers of self. Number two, lovers of money. But then jump down a little bit. They'll be ungrateful. So let me hit those three things that are, because they have to do with what we're teaching today, those three things that were in prophecy in the last days, well, we're in the last days, he was too. Number one, lovers of themselves. I've never seen, and I'm sure you never have, a generation where people were more in love with themselves than they ever have been. <laughs> there, was a, uh, there was a preacher that wrote a book called Death to Selfie. Death to Selfie. And it's, it, you know, you're living in that generation, selfies and filters. And I've never seen it. I was commenting to somebody the other day, so uh, wild to me to watch pastors of churches, pastors of churches that have families. They have a wife and they have children and they have a church. And you go to their social media page and you can go to Sunday morning. You don't see any pictures of their church. You don't see pictures of, you know, whatever, the preaching or, or whatever. Like, well, you know what you see? You see a slide deck of selfies of them in their church outfit. Seven, eight, nine, ten pictures of that pastor smiling in the same church outfit in different poses. I've never seen anything like that in my life. It's like, where's your wife? Where are your kids? That's not that I've never posted a picture of myself, but it's like, how are, how are you a pastor of a church and you've got a wife, you've got kids, because obviously it's not the same thing if you post a picture of you and your wife together. It's just you. Ten pictures of you smiling in different poses in your church outfit. <laughs> it's like people love themselves, man. They love the way they look. They love the way they look. They love, they'll throw those filters on. Look at, look at this outfit. Look at this, look at my hair. Look at this, you know, whatever. It's like, dude, it's insane to me. I mean, I'm blown away by it. I'm absolutely blown away by it, but it's a prophecy. In the last days, people will be lovers of themselves. We're there. But what else? Lovers of money. Now, that's also a prophecy that people will become lovers of money. We're living in that generation. Lovers of money. And then that third word, because it, it really ties this whole thing together, ungrateful. So, so what are we dealing with? There's a spirit that comes on people of ungratefulness instead of thankfulness or gratefulness, ungratefulness instead of gratefulness. It's really unbelievable to watch. Um, we, we live, the reason I say this, we live in the most, probably the most prosperous country in the world, we are within, we are probably all in the top 1% of wealthiest people in the world. I mean, even people at the lowest end of the United States economy are still in like the top 1% of wealthy people in the world because we have so much in this, in this nation. Canada would be the same. But it's, it's mind-blowing to me that uh, we have all this that we have and people still find a way to be ungrateful and unsatisfied or dissatisfied. And it's really, again, yes, we're being marketed to, but it's really a mindset, right? It's a mindset because one of the things you recognize when you follow Jesus is, I choose to be thankful. I choose to be grateful. In fact, every day, I'm going to choose to give him thanks. I'm going to give him thanks for what he's already done. I'm giving you some tips here how to avoid this uh, being the person this prophecy is describing. Every day, I'm going to look at all the things that he's done in my life. I'm going to thank him for the things that he's already done. Look at this. Today, by the way, welcome to June. Today being the first day of June, welcome to a new month. One of the things that I'm going to thank God today, Lord, thank you 
that you brought me through another month and no sickness was allowed to touch my body. No disease was allowed to come upon my body. Nothing, no evil thing was able to come upon my family. I thank you, Lord, that you kept me and kept my family and kept my staff for another month. No wicked thing came upon us or come, came near our dwelling place. Lord, we thank you. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you stretched out your hand of protection over us. Thank you, Lord, that we're in peace. I thank you that we're all not on mind medication because we're so tormented that we're living in a deep depression, living in a deep anxiety. I thank you, Lord, that you've kept us. I thank you, Lord, that you've continued to open doors for us. Thank you that you're using us to make an impact. Thank you that we've not gone hungry one day, that you've provided food to eat, that we have more than enough food, that we have more than enough clothing. Thank you, Lord, that you've blessed us with homes and beautiful apartments. Thank you, Lord, that you've blessed us with transportation. Thank you that you've blessed us with family. Thank you that you've blessed us with friends. Thank you that you've put us together and that you've called us. Thank you for setting us apart. Thank you for making us your children. Thank you for filling us with the Holy Ghost. Thank you for the blood covenant. Thank you for healing. Thank you for peace. Thank you for joy. I mean, you go right through and start to thank him for all of the things he's given you. It puts you into a mindset of, of thankfulness, being grateful. I'm staying far from that uh, prophecy. I'll never be the one that Paul prophesied about, that in the last days there would be those who are ungrateful. I refuse to be ungrateful. And I refuse to be dissatisfied with what the Lord has blessed me with. I'm thankful. Do I know that he's got more? Absolutely. That's why I like my grandfather's quote. I'm satisfied with a dissatisfied satisfaction. It means that though I'm thankful and and, and grateful for where God's brought me to this point, I'm also thankful that this is not the end, it's just the beginning. God has far more that he's going to do through you and through me and through us together than he's done yet. There's greater available. So I'm not settling here. I'm thankful I'm here, but I'm not settling here. I'm going to keep moving higher by the power of the Holy Ghost. So that attitude of gratefulness and thankfulness keeps us from being people who fulfill the prophecy that in the last days, there would be those who are ungrateful. Okay. Now, uh, one of the things that I want to keep going with, that's a prophecy, but also notice that it's also a qualification for overseers or elders in the church. If you pop back to first Timothy chapter three, the Bible says in first Timothy three, three, that someone that aspires to be in the office of an overseer, verse three, he can't be a drunkard. He can't be violent. He's got to be gentle, can't be quarrelsome and can't be a lover of money, cannot be a lover of money. So watch this. According to the Holy Spirit, someone who's a lover of money is automatically disqualified from being a leader in the body of Christ, an overseer in the body of Christ. If someone has fallen to a love of money, they are immediately disqualified from being a leader or an overseer in the body of Christ. That's how, that's how bad it is to get involved with the love of money. And I'm going to show you this because it is a dangerous, dangerous thing. Let's go to Jesus teaching in Matthew chapter six, flip over there with me. This will free you. It's going to free you in multiple areas. Wait till you see what I'm showing you here, because this will set you free in multiple areas of your life. Because I'm sure that even as I teach this, there will be people, and I won't be surprised if like just, just the, uh, (laughs) just the faithful stick around the mature, because this is a message that challenges your life. It challenges your flesh as you hear the teaching on it. Matthew six. Jesus is teaching about this. Let me start with. uh, Verse 24, I'll read you Matthew 6, 24. Listen to this powerful. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. So now what's he talking about? He explains it. You cannot 
serve God and money. Look at that. You cannot serve God and money. So Jesus is making a distinction here. You'll either love God and hate the spirit of mammon. There is a true uh, um, antichrist spirit. Part of the antichrist spirit is this thing I'm describing, this love of things, this love of money, this love of the world and what it offers. You know, it's, it's not that we won't have the things that, that are here. It's that we cannot be controlled by or in love with the things that we have. I made that quote yesterday that I believe Pastor Rodney Howard Brown said at one point, when everything means nothing to you, God can give you anything. When everything means nothing, God can give you anything. What does that mean? I don't love anything. Anything that I have, it's all the Lord's anyway. It all belongs to God anyway. So if he told me to give it, I'm giving it. And I've proved that to him many, many times. And watch this. Not only have I proved that. Let me, let me, uh, let me tell you something that may, maybe you've never heard or most people won't teach. When God asks you to give a sacrificial offering, a sacrificial seed, something that's far bigger than anything you've done or something that's really, it takes a lot of faith to release it. One of the things that accomplishes is that it shows God that Lord, yes, you've raised me up to this new level where it's possible even for me to do this thing, but it's a proof to God, no matter how high you lift me up, no matter how many times you promote me, no matter how many times you bless me and change my level, it will never be too high that I'll get to a place where I can't release the thing you're asking me to, le- to release. It's a proof to God. It's a proof to God. Lord, I don't care. And, and you know, as I told you earlier, we, we just proved it to God again. We just once again gave the largest offering from our ministry that we've ever given before by a lot. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm just proving to God. It doesn't matter how high you lift us up. Doesn't matter how high you promote us. It does not matter. There will never be a level that we'll reach by the blessing of God where it becomes too much. You say, well, I can't give that much. That's too big. I can't release that. I I can't let that go. It's too big for me to let it go. It'll never be too big for me to let it go. It will never be too big for me to let it go. Ever. Ever. It will never be too big for me to let it go. And I've proved that to God at every single level. Doesn't matter what, when I was a young man, I proved it on that level. When I got to college, I proved it on that level. When I got older, I proved it on that. When I got married, I proved it on that level. Every time God's blessed me, when we started our own ministry, I proved it on that level. I've continued to, you have to make up in your mind as God keeps blessing me, I got to keep my mindset on, I'm keeping my eyes on the one who blessed me and not the blessing that's come. My eyes stay on the one who blessed me, not on the blessing that came. Hallelujah. My eyes stay on the one who blessed me, not on the blessing that came. Jesus is saying that nobody can serve two masters. Either he'll hate one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. That word mammon, if you've never heard it, it's a a Greek word. It's a Semitic word for money or possessions. Money and possessions. Amen. That's right, Mike. That's right, Jared. And so, amen, Brian. That's what I'm talking about, is that uh, we'll never get to a level where it'll become too much for us. Anything God says that he's asking us to do, we'll do it and we'll do it quickly. We'll do it quickly. But you know what? Because we have quick obedience, we'll have quick blessings. Quick obedience brings quick blessings. Quick obedience. I think Erica put that in the comments yesterday. Quick obedience brings quick blessings. Can't serve two masters. And let me show you somebody in the same gospel, Matthew that dealt with this, Matthew 19. Let me, let me read it to you. Matthew 19, you know this story 
as the story of the rich young ruler. Verse 16, this is Matthew 19, starting in 16. Behold, a man came to Jesus saying, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, why do you ask me about what's good? There's only one who is good. And if you'd enter life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, which ones? Jesus said, You'll, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these I've already kept. What do I still lack? Now look at this. This is the only person in the Bible Jesus told to do this. He said, well, if you'd be perfect, go sell what you possess and give it to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful. Why? Because he had great possessions. And I say this every time I read it, my grandfather taught it. Great possessions had him. He couldn't obey Jesus' command because he was owned by his possessions. He loved money more than he loved the Lord. And apparently, Jesus had a word of knowledge on this and knew what was holding this man in bondage. Because find me, how many other people in the scripture did Jesus tell them, sell all your possessions and give it to the poor? Nobody else. There was nobody else that Jesus commanded to do that. Just this man. But notice when he did, the man couldn't do it. Why? Because he had great possessions. Really, great possessions had him. He was controlled by his love of money and possessions. That's the spirit of mammon. Controlled by the love of money and possessions. So what did it bring about in his life? Here's a man who could not come follow Jesus because you can't serve two masters. He couldn't serve his money and serve Jesus at the same time. He could not serve his money and serve Jesus at the same time. Hmm. That is interesting. Britt said, I've always found it interesting that the man seemed to know that he was still missing something. He was missing. So it's like he knew that he was missing something in his life and he needed Jesus to tell him. But once, he, once it was identified, it was too much. He couldn't change it. He couldn't change it. And look at this, this confused the disciples because Jesus said, truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for, the, uh, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly, greatly astonished, saying, well, then who can be saved? Why would they be so astonished? Because if they were all just poor men, they'd have been, that's right, that's right, Lord, only us poor people getting into the kingdom of heaven. No, they were greatly astonished, saying, well, then who can be saved then? You know why? Because the disciples had money. They were people of means. Jesus said, well, with man, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. Then Peter also said in reply, notice, notice, we've left everything and followed you. What then will we have? See, Peter's still harping on this. Still harping on this. Because he's like, well, I had stuff. I left it behind. And we know Peter did. Peter had a business. He had boats. He had servants. He had a home. He didn't sell them all and give it to the poor. Jesus never commanded him to do that. But he left them behind for a three and a half year period to come follow Jesus. And he said, I've, got, I've left stuff behind. What, what am I going to have? Jesus said, truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone, now this goes on beyond the 12 disciples, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. Hallelujah. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. So notice that. Yeniel said, I never got that part uh, on the eye of the needle. Jesus is literally just saying it is easier for, the, for a camel, an actual camel, to pass through 
the eye of an actual needle than for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of God. That's how hard, he's using that as an analogy, that's how hard it is for a rich person. You know why? Because many that are rich, that are not saved, they don't feel like they need any help. I don't need your help, I got everything I want, got everything I need. They feel secure, they trust in their riches, the Bible says. I know there's people that teach that that means, well, he's actually speaking about, you know, one of the gates into Jerusalem and it was called the eye of the needle and it was very low and very, very small and camels had to get down on their knees and unload their baggage to come through the eye. There's not any historical evidence for that. Jesus is literally talking about a camel and an actual eye of a needle using it as an example that it's extremely hard for a rich person to come into the kingdom of heaven. I've experienced that even in preaching. You can go into places where people uh, are impoverished. They know they need help. They know their lives are, are on, on a, a path that they can't, they, there's nothing they can do about it. They know they need help. And they, they're in a desperate situation. That's why we get that, um, that phrase, there are no atheists in foxholes. Why? Because even if you join the army as an atheist, when you're out there on the battlefield and, and live ammunition's being fired over your head and, and the enemy's coming to take you and, and put you, let me tell you, people start crying out to God in those foxholes. Crying out to God. Help me, Lord. If you'll get me out of this, God, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. Why? They're desperate. They're in need. They're desperate. And people that are, that are hurting, broken, impoverished, they know they need help. But the danger, that's why James dealt with that in the book of James, uh, you rich men, you've, you've trusted in your riches. You're going to weep and howl. You're going to weep and howl because it's a dangerous thing to put your trust in riches, in possessions, in wealth. It takes you away from God. It destroys. Even, now, let me tell you, that's why you've got to keep your eye on it even when God blesses you as a Christian. Because when, if you make that transition... And you stop trusting in God and start putting the, your trust in, in the, your possessions, your, your riches, it will take you away from God. And I'm going to read you that in a minute. But notice here, this rich young ruler could not follow Jesus because his possessions, his wealth had control of his life. Had control of his life. That's the danger of the love of money. It takes control. Man, is it already 11 17, this day is flying. Takes control of your life. L listen to this now. Let me take you to, uh, well, before I do that, look at Ecclesiastes. I'm gonna give you something from the, the book of Ecclesiastes, Old Testament. Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 10. Listen to this now. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money nor he who loves wealth with his income. This, is, this also is vanity. Look at that. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. People that love money. So you know what that means, don't you? It's that they will never get to a place where it's enough. They will never get to a place where possessions, money, whatever is enough. They'll always be grasping for more. They'll always be greedy for more. I have to have it. I need more. It's funny. You get to one level and you think it's going to be that. That's it. If I could just get that, that's, that's the end of it. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. That's why every time people reach new levels of wealth, there's still another thing that they've not yet attained. And there's all kinds of people in the world creating things for people to buy at another level so that there's never an end to what you can obtain. I was in London one time and there's this very famous department store in London called Harrods. And Harrods is, it's got everything. I mean, you, you can't even imagine. You walk into a room, men, and there's like a whole huge room and all, all there is is like neckties. I mean, just... It's huge department store, multiple levels. It's got everything you want. And there was this guy from the Middle East that was in the men's section. He was obviously a sheik. I don't know. He was obviously had oil money, a lot of money, a lot of money. And uh, it's like you get to that place where it's like you've got so much money. What else do you spend your money on? 
It's like Jesse Duplantis was saying. He he went the guy that was using uh, that he was using his hangar, renting the hangar for his plane. He said, "We've got one of these oil guys here with their plane parked in here. You need to come look at this. He won't mind if I give you a tour of the inside of his plane." Well, the plane itself is like you know sixty, seventy million dollars or more. Uh, but he said he spent more on the inside of his plane redoing it than he did on the actual plane. So when Jesse Duplantis walked onto that private plane and looked around, he said, look at this, open the, where the coat hangers and, and the, the coat closet. He said, look at these hangers. He pulled the hanger down. Every hanger was made of solid platinum, solid platinum hangers. All of the, the metal on the, on the door handles, everything else, solid platinum. It's like Drake, the rapper. Drake uh, owning a, what, a 747 jet, doesn't even have like a Gulfstream, owns like a 747, but before he died, he had Virgil Abloh, who was like one of the designers for Louis Vuitton, come onto his plane and design every room in the plane is a different Louis Vuitton print. So spent more money redoing the inside of the plane than he did buying the plane. So you get to a place where there's so much money, they'll just keep their stuff, you know, to keep going, keep on going. So I was in Harrods and I see this guy from the Middle East. He's like obviously uh, some kind of a, a, an oil guy, a sheik, had his head wrapped and everything. I come over and this guy is showing him fabric to make a suit. And I'm kind of listening in because I'm close by and I'm like, what is this guy spending his money on? And um, I want, I want to see real quick because uh, how many yards? Let me see how many yards of fabric it takes. So according to this, it takes five to six yards of fabric. To, to make a man's suit from scratch. Five to six yards of fabric. So this man is holding out the undone fabric, you know, just big uh, uh, swaths of fabric for this, for this guy. And he's, he's showing him, he said, I want you to take a look at this, this cloth. And he's showing them this fabric to build a suit for him. And he's like, what now, now explain it to me. And th this brand, he said, now I want you to see the, uh, there's, there's woven into the fabric. This is what the salesman's telling him. Woven into the fabric, is strands of diamond. I was like, what? Strands of diamond. So if there's stripes or pinstripes, it's literal diamond fabric that's being uh, woven into the fabric of the suit. He said, take a look at this. The suit, just the fabric, just the fabric uh, that that man was looking at, and this, think about this, this was like 20 years ago. Just the fabric that that man was looking at was between twenty to thirty thousand dollars per yard, twenty to thirty thousand dollars per yard, which means that a suit built with that fabric would cost anywhere between a um, hundred and twenty thousand to a hundred and eighty thousand dollars for a suit, for one suit, for one suit, hundred and twenty to a hundred and eighty thousand dollars for one suit, and he was going to buy multiple suits, so. You can't think that I'm showing you how the spirit works. This spirit of mammon. People think, well, if I just got this level car, if I just got this level house, no, if I just got this promotion. Because when you get there, that same spirit tries to make you believe it's not enough and you need more. You need more. There's always going to be another level. There's always going to be more that you need. And that's why if you love things, if you love money, Ecclesiastes said, you'll never be satisfied. Let me read it again. He who loves money, Ecclesiastes 5.10. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. So you can't, if you love money, it'll never be enough. It'll never be enough. Now, when you flip it to your purpose and understand that I am blessed to be a blessing, I am blessed to promote the kingdom. I am blessed to promote God's agenda and to fund God's agenda then it's not about you loving money. It's about you being a conduit for resources and finances to do what God needs to get done on the earth. 
That's why when you turn yourself from someone who loves money into someone who loves God, then God sees when I flow into this person with finances, with wealth, with blessing, it's not going to stop like a brick wall. You're not a dam. You're not damming up the flow uh, of blessing. It doesn't stop with you. I'm a conduit. I'm a river. It flows through me. I'm a pipeline. Lord, let me be a pipeline to my generation. I am blessed to be a blessing. I am anointed to be sent to bless somebody. I'm anointed. I prosper to bless other people. I prosper to bless other people. Hallelujah. I prosper to bless other people. And see, that's the key. That is the key. When you flip that script and understand, I don't love things. I don't love money. I love God. And because I love God, I love his plan. I love his agenda. Amen. I love his plan. I love his agenda because I do. He's going to use me to bring that wealth. And guess what happens? You know what happens when you become a pipeline? I want to show this to you. If you've got plumbing, and I hope you do if you're watching me, I hope you don't have a thousand dollar phone and no plumbing. If you've got plumbing, then you understand when you go into, let's say the kitchen and turn on the faucet, it is pumping water in from the city, you know, the city water source into your house. But guess what? What's the first thing? Let's say you put your hands underneath the faucet and turn the faucet on. What's the first thing to get wet? It's not your hands. It's the faucet. It's not your hands. It's the plumbing. The first thing to get wet is the plumbing. The first thing to get saturated is the faucet. And that's what happens with you. When you make up your mind, I'm going to be a pipeline of God's blessing. I'm going to be one that carries the blessing of God to somebody else. The first thing that's going to get wet is you. The first thing that's going to get blessed is you. You can't be a pipeline of that flow without uh, having it hit you first. Amen. And that's what takes place is that you're blessed to be a blessing. I want you to put it in the comments. Even if you've heard it before, put this phrase in the comments. If God can get it through me, God can get it to me. If God can get it through me, then God can get it to me. Hallelujah. Put it in the comments. If God can get it through me, God can get it to me. God doesn't want to pour into somebody and then have them hoard and hoard and keep and keep. No, we're blessed to be a blessing. If God can get it through me, God can get it to me. Amen. That's how it works. First Timothy chapter six, man, this time is flying today. Can't believe how fast it's going. (laughs) Feels like I just started. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Why are these, why is this time going so quickly? Good Lord. I was here on time. Just before. If God can get it through me, God can get it to me. 1 Timothy 6. Look at this now. Hallelujah. Listen to this. Let's start reading with um, let's start reading with verse six. First Timothy six six. Amen. First Timothy six six. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Contentment. You know, if you just operate by contentment, the the marketing ploys of this world don't work on you. They don't work on you. They can't trick you into believing, I need more, gotta have more, I want more. That you can't be tricked. You can't be tricked. (laughs) You can't be tricked. I'm content. Doesn't mean God's not going to bless me more. Doesn't mean I'm not going to another level. Doesn't mean there's not increase available for me, but I'm going to tell you something. I don't have to go around thinking, I just, if I just had this, if I just had that, I need that. Oh, I want that. You know what happens if you don't do that is that if you don't operate with a spirit of contentment and gratefulness, you can easily slip into greed and covetousness. 
Let me say that again, because that's a very important point. If you don't operate with a spirit of contentment and gratefulness, you can easily slip into greed and covetousness. Amen. I'll say it one more time. That's how important it is. If I don't operate in a spirit of contentment and gratefulness, I can slide in or slip in to a spirit of greed and covetousness. I want, I got to have, I want what he has. I got to have what she has. You slip into it because you love things. You want more things. You want more money. You need, and it's a dangerous, dangerous thing. The Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into the world and we can, we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. See that? That's exactly what I'm teaching. That's exactly what I'm teaching. Those who have this ungodly desire to be rich. Now, it's not the same as desiring the blessing of God upon your life. Because remember, what's the desire? My desire is for God, not for things. My desire is for his commands, his presence, his power, his glory, his anointing. If I'll seek him, remember that's what Jesus taught in Matthew 6, chapter 6 and verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things. And again, in context, Jesus is speaking about natural provisions. What will we eat? Where will we sleep? What will we wear? That's exactly what Jesus is talking about. The same things Paul is talking about right now. What will we eat? Where will we sleep? What will we wear? See, we're not seeking the things. I'm seeking the one who provides. He is first in my life. If I put him first, he'll put me first. Hallelujah. If I'll put him first, he'll put me first. People, you know what's funny? Is people will see. I'm sure there's people that see me and think, you're like, well, he, he, it's easy to talk like that. He has, he has stuff that's nice. Can I tell you? People would be blown away if they saw how much of the stuff that I have is given to me, given to me by people. Say, so, well, he's got a nice watch. He's got multiple. I had one guy walk up to me. He said, how many watches do you have? A bunch. People would be blown away though. If they saw, I don't have to go seek them. I don't have to go. I'm, I got to save up. I got to buy that. I want to buy. I want that. But I also want that. People would be blown away if they saw how much was just given to me. People come up. I had a guy run to the platform one time, run up to the platform. He said, hey, I can't let you start the service. I got to give you this. I ran to my car to get it. A beautiful watch in a box, brand new, like a seven, $8,000 watch. Just hands me. I can't let you start the service without getting it. I didn't have to go out there. I got to save for that watch. I want that watch. I need, I got to have that watch. If I just had that watch. No, what am I doing? I'm seeking the kingdom. I'm seeking his righteousness. All these things are being added. They're being added. You know, it's, it's mind-blowing. I, I like firearms. I like guns. I can't tell you how many guns have been given to me. People say, come out in the parking lot. 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 And then hand me guns. Hey, I wanted to give you this. Hey, I felt to bless you with this. Felt to get, I'd have to sit around. I want that gun. I need that gun. I want that optic. I want that. I don't have to sit there and think like that. People, it just comes. It just comes. You've heard us talk about it. My wife said, I want cows. They came. The cows came. Someone gave the cows. Why? Because I'm not seeking the things. I'm seeking the one who provides. I'm seeking God. And that's, that's what I'm teaching today. It's that it's not about the things. It's about who we serve. My life is his. My life is his. And let me tell you, if my life is his, he'll provide for the ones that belong to him. He's actually searching for people right now. His eyes searching to and fro across the earth to find people whose hearts are loyal to him. And he said, when I find them, I'm going to come show myself strong and mighty on their behalf. You don't think that when God shows himself strong and mighty on your behalf, part of that showing himself strong and mighty is going to be providing for you and your family. Of course it is because it's one of his characteristics. It's part of his nature. He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He's El Shaddai, the all sufficient one. Amen. The God who is more than enough. So of course, when he shows himself strong and mighty on our behalf, it's going, part of it is going to be, he's going to show up and provide for his children. It's what he does. 
but we're not seeking the things. So look at this. Those who desire to be rich (laughs) fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Why? Because the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Pierced themselves. So watch what happens with this demonic, ungodly, unnatural desire for things and wealth. Ungodly desire for things and wealth causes people to fall into temptation and to literally shipwreck their faith, pierce themselves through with many pangs. It destroys people's lives. It destroys people's lives. They start to love the things of this world rather than God who created this world. Listen to 1 John 2 and verse number 15. 1 John 2, 15, the Bible says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. I don't love this world or the things of this world. I have, the, I have things, but I don't love them. If God told me today to give them away, they're, give, they're being given away. Amen. And I tell you the reason, I'll tell you the reason things like that come back to me is because, do you, do you want to know an interesting fact? The same altar, the same altar that that man ran up to me and gave that $8,000 watch, that's the same altar that I gave away a Rolex to another man of God. Same altar, same church, same place. I just now thought of that, that fact, same place. And so the the fact is because I love God, because I love his kingdom, because I love his people, I don't love things. I'll give whatever. If God tells me to give it, I'm giving it. It'll never get stuck in my hand. Somebody write that in the comments today. Take that away from this session. My seed will never get stuck in my hand. Put that in the comments, put that in your notes. My seed will never get stuck in my hand. My seed will never get stuck in my hand. Powerful. I am a river of blessing. That's right, Ashley. My seed will never get stuck in my hand. I am a sower. I am a sower. I am a sower. Hallelujah. My seed will never be stuck in my hand. This love of money, and you can tell, you can tell. It's an unnatural, ungodly love and desire for money. And let me just tell you something. There's nothing wrong with being rich. And God wants you to have more than enough. He wants you to be wealthy. There's no question about that. You see it in the Old Testament. You see it in the New. God wants people to have more than enough. It's part of his character. It's part of his nature. But the desire should never be, the desire of your heart should never be for finances or possessions. No, your desire should be the kingdom of God. Your desire should be seeing souls saved. Your desire should be for the one who provides. My desire is to keep his commands. My desire is to please him with my life. I'll give you this as a bonus. Those of you that were faithful enough, you stuck around to the very end, you're getting a bonus today. You're getting a bonus. You ready for this? One of the keys that nobody likes to talk about for financial increase is the key of holiness and righteousness. Holiness and righteousness are prerequisites for financial blessing and increase. I'm going to give you some references to write down in the comments and write in your notes, and you'll see this very plainly. I already gave you one, Matthew 6, 33, holiness and righteousness. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be what? Added unto you. So Matthew 6, 33. Isaiah 1, 19. If you're willing and obedient, that's holiness, you'll eat the good of the land. There's another one. Isaiah 1, 19. If you're willing and obedient, 
Obedience to God's word is holiness. By the way, that's all holiness is. Don't make holiness this super difficult thing. It's simply obedience to God's word. Obedience to God's word. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Job 36, 11. If they'll only obey and serve me, they will spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures or pleasantness. That's Job 36, 11. If they'll obey and serve me, they'll spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. What are we talking about? Holiness. Holiness. Righteousness. How about Psalm 8411? Psalm 8411. Powerful. What does the Bible say? The Lord our God is a sun and shield, and he bestows favor and honor, and he will not withhold any good thing from those who walk uprightly. There it is. He'll not withhold any good thing. From who? Those that walk uprightly. Thank you, Jesus. I feel the anointing on this. I feel the anointing on this. This is the the Holy Ghost showing us how to walk in overflowing blessing. Psalm 1. Here's another one. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, or stands in the way of sinners, or sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that bears fruit in his season, and his leaf does not wither, and in all that he does he prospers. Amen. Sherry said, please repeat the first scripture reference. Matthew six thirty three. Isaiah 119, Job 36, 11, Psalm 84, 11, Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. That's why I'm having people write them in the comments so that people can go back and write them down. Amen. What about Deuteronomy 28, 1 to the people of Israel? You ready for this? This is all holiness is. If you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, Being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. There it is again. The blessing, you read through the 14 verses of blessing, you'll see all the prosperous blessing that comes upon him. For what? Holiness. Obedience to his commands. Simple obedience to his commands. What does it bring? It brings prosperity. It brings blessing. Let me give you one more. I'll give you one more. I mean, there's so many, there's so many I can give you, but this is powerful because as I said, when God shows up and begins to manifest his power, everything that he does shows up. I've taught this multiple times. Actually, I'll read you two. John 14, 21. Whoever, Jesus speaking, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and I will manifest myself to him. One of the things that will happen when God manifests himself to you is financial blessing will show up. Hmm. John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. I'm just telling you. I'm telling you. These Keys, you you can clearly see, holiness, righteousness is the master key. The master key. Obedience is the key to prosperity. Obedience is the key to prosperity. There's no question about that. And again, none of these things operate independently. Not having a love of money. Yesterday, doing what the Lord's called you to do. Natural stewardship. They work together. Sowing seed by faith. Sowing seed by faith. I want you to say it again with me. My seed will never get stuck in my hand. My seed will never get stuck in my hand. Hallelujah. My seed will never get stuck in my hand. Today, I'm challenging you. Don't let your seed get stuck in your hand. 
me give you an opportunity to sow a seed today. Don't let your seed get stuck in your hand. You're watching me. You're listening to me. You're believing for financial breakthroughs. You're believing that June's going to be your month of miracles. This is going to be your month of supernatural increase. Don't let your seed get stuck in your hand. Let today be the day that you release something that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you to release. And as you do, get ready. Supernatural increase is coming on your house. Supernatural increase. Prosperity is our portion in Jesus' name. Prosperity is our portion. Thank you, Lisa. She's reminding me again that you can use hashtag donate on Facebook. If you're watching on Facebook, as Lisa did, hashtag donate and then the amount you'd like to give or so. Don't let your seed get stuck in your hand. But right now, release what the Lord's telling you to release. That's why I never tell people what to do because the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And he'll show you. He'll show you. And it'll take faith to do because only faith pleases God. But my seed will never be stuck in my hand. I am a river of blessing. I'm a river of blessing. I'm obedient in the kingdom. You know what that means? God's going to be able to use you for any good work. Hallelujah. He'll be able to use you. You know, that's what Paul told the Corinthian church. He said, after you've sown your seed, after you've done what the Lord's asked you to do, it doesn't just get multiplied, but listen to this. You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. You see that? You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Hallelujah. Do you know, if you're believing for your business to be blessed, sow seed from your business. There's people asking God for clients, asking God for uh, uh, contracts, asking God for sales. If you want your business to be blessed, sow seed from your business. If you want your ministry to be blessed, sow seed from your ministry. That's why, though we're a church, though we're an evangelistic ministry as well, I don't know, I don't go in and say, well, you know, we're the, we're the church, we're the, people should be giving to us. No, no, no. We are large givers as a ministry. We're very large givers as a ministry. We give a lot of money. We sow a lot of money. It's not just Carolyn and I that are personal givers. Our ministry gives at a high level. You know why? Because our ministry is going to be blessed. Hallelujah. Our ministry is going to be blessed. If you're believing for blessing in your business, sow from your business. If you're believing for blessing in your ministry, sow from your ministry. Watch what God will do. He'll take you to another level. Can I tell you? Our ministry is in line for a massive increase right now. The amount of seed, hear me, the amount of seed that we've sown over March, April, and May, I'll tell you something right now. Our ministry is in line for massive increase. (laughs) Hallelujah. Massive increase. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. And so, Father, I thank you that you're blessing your people today. I thank you that we'll never be without. We will never be without. We thank you that this is going to be the greatest month we've ever seen in Jesus' name. I pray for your faithful people. June would be a breakthrough month. We thank you for that. We thank you you're opening the windows of heaven over our families. In Jesus' name, amen. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.